If you're like Kira and me, you probably have a lot of mixed feelings about social media in general and Instagram in particular. For some, it's a great place for attracting and connecting with new clients, but for others, it's a mental health nightmare. And somewhere in between those two extremes, a lot of us struggle to regularly post content or respond to comments and and even avoid doom scrolling or envy scrolling or whatever you want to call it. Hi, I'm Rob Marsh, one of the founders of the Copywriter Club. And in today's episode of the Copywriter Club podcast, Kara and I interviewed copywriter and digital content strategist, Angela Morris. Now, Angela started a a movement really called Quiet Quitting Instagram that helps copywriters and other online personalities end the bad boyfriend relationship that many of us have with Instagram. She called it bad boyfriend relationship. I'd probably think of it as a bad girlfriend relationship, whatever floats your boat. But before we dive into what Angela shared with us, the Copywriter Accelerator is coming and fast. And there's been a shift. You've probably seen it in the marketing world over the past year with the advent of AI and tools like ChatGPT, as well as economic conditions that are challenging many industries and growing competition even. There are more copywriters, it seems, than there ever were before. We felt that shift. And like I said, you probably have too. The Copywriter Accelerator is designed to help you overcome those challenges by adjusting your positioning, getting clarity on your services, on your pricing, on the goals that you're trying to achieve. Each of the eight modules is designed to help you stay relevant so that clients seek you out as you create a brand they trust. Doors open later this month, and to get more information about this business-changing program, head over to thecopywriteraccelerator.com. Now, as you listen to this interview, pay attention to the discussion about ways to differentiate yourself by not going along with what everyone else is saying or doing. It's a little counterintuitive, but it works. And also, Angela shared what she thinks makes a good copywriter. I'm not going to spoil her answer, but what she said was really insightful. So let's jump in with our interview with Angela Morris. Well, I had started out as a makeup artist. I was a makeup artist for about 13 years. And what I really discovered that I loved was not the makeup part or the beautification part, but it was having conversations with women and really tapping into what they wanted versus what they were told they should want or told they should be. And I knew there was some kind of magic there. I knew that I was creating a transformative experience for my clients, but I didn't quite know what to do with that. And I was getting a little bit bored with makeup. And as things happen, sometimes you get pushed into the next stage of your life or the next step or the next level. So the pandemic had hit and I couldn't do makeup for the foreseeable future. I couldn't touch people's faces. And I had just joined a feminist business uh, group program. And I kind of laid it all, laid all my emotions bare and was like, I have no idea what I am going to do. I just moved to LA. All of my gigs have been canceled. I have no money, no job, no nothing. And the uh, leader of that group was like, you know, I really like the way that you write your captions on Instagram. And I think you're a really, really gifted writer. So I'm wondering if you could help me with some of my social media posts. 
And in reality, I've been writing since I could hold a pencil. So it was really flattering to hear like, wow, you know, you didn't just see my pretty makeup pictures. You saw my writing and it actually resonated with you. And so um, she was my first client. And because she had a large reach and because uh, she advocated for me, I was able to kind of launch into a new career pretty quickly. And because I had a background with being a gifted writer, I was able to learn copywriting pretty quickly. So here I am. I'm curious, Angela, uh, if you've drawn the lines between makeup artist and copywriter, like what are the things about makeup artistry that you've learned that you did that make you a better copywriter? Listening. Listening is the most important part. We, I think, especially in the Western world and the United States uh, specifically, I really only have experience with the United States because this is the only place I've lived for any length of time. But we are really obsessed with rules and how something should be or making something perfect or doing something correctly. And so when clients would come to me and they would sit in my makeup chair, they first of all would apologize for existing. Sorry, I'm old. Sorry, I'm fat. Sorry, I have a zit. Kira's eyes are lighting up. I know because you have a background in the cosmetic industry. So you kind of know this whole world. Um, but interrupting what you think you should say or what you think you should do or the rules that you've learned and actually taking the time to listen and figuring out what is the core of what we're doing what's going to create the most impact what's the most meaningful thing that we can do in this time and space or with this project and that is my approach to copywriting as well is like yes there are some basic rules that we want to follow Yes, there are formulas that work and formulas that sell, but we want to bring person, we want to bring the client, we want to bring the values of the organization um, to the center or to the front of what we're writing. And that's, that's important above anything else that we're doing. So you mentioned your, your clients um, and your former artistry business uh, focused on what they felt like they should be versus what they actually wanted. And I think that's something that is relatable to many people, especially copywriters, even just like, how do we talk about what we do? What types of offers should we put out there? How do you women especially think about this and put themselves first and put their desires first in their business when they're often apologizing for wanting that in the first place? Well, when working with, I mean, most of my clients are women. Um, and non-binary folks. So that's something we've all been socialized to do. So I think that my work is shifting a little bit from, you know, um, working with folks who are, they, they need kind of coaching out of the timid feelings of selling what they do or talking about their business. But I think even with somebody who is really well established. I mean, so much of our confidence as women and femmes has to be manufactured. We have to act like we have it all together and we have to act like we're calm, we're cool, collected. You can count on us. You know, even when we're not in positions of caregiving, that's an expectation that's put on us. So when uh, women clients come to me, a lot of times their goal is to be kind of universally palatable because 
they've taught that they've been taught that palatable is sellable. And what I really believe is that getting spicy and actually getting bold with what you believe in, it's not going to hurt you in, in the way that in the catastrophic way that you think it is, it is going to differentiate you. It's going to set you apart and it's going to attract the right people to you. So I think shifting the focus from being liked by everybody and not making anybody upset to speaking to what everybody like you or everybody who needs you is thinking and feeling and experiencing so that you can explain how you can serve that and how you can meet that in people. That's what makes you special. That's what makes your business special. What would be some tactics that you'd recommend to other writers who may want to do that and, and pull that out of their clients as well. You mentioned listening, course listening, but what else are you doing? Because you're almost, you're creating this mindset shift for your client to help them embrace who they really are. But you're also working through different exercises to pull out the messaging that might be hidden within and not on the surface. Well, I think one thing that motivates me personally is anger. If I get really angry about something, <laughs> this really propels me forward. And so I ask clients often, what makes you really angry? Or what was the thing that pissed you off that made you decide to take this from an idea to an actual business or an actual product or service? Because I think when we're working with marginalized people, especially, Yes, there's a huge heart in what they're doing, but there's also, there's a, a righteous anger, not supposed to be angry. We're told we're not supposed to be angry, but if we dig even just like a little bit below the surface, it's like, there's this boiling, like, oh my God, I created this because it didn't exist or because I was so mad that this was how the industry worked or whatever. So tapping into anger or addressing like, what's the thing in your industry that just gets under your skin? or that you wish didn't exist, or that every time you hear this word or this term, you want to roll your eyes because it's so played out, or it's so condescending, or it's so performative, whatever, like whatever that thing is, um, let's kind of like Ra Rachel K. Albers called it the, I think she called it the anti-brand. So it's basically like building your messaging or building your brand based on the thing that you and loathe <laughs> versus what you love um, because that gives you like a really clear foundation of your purpose. And then, you know, writing from there is it flows out very easily. So Angela, when you're talking, telling a little bit about your story and how you became a copywriter, you mentioned that your mentor noticed your social media captions. I'm curious, what was it about the captions, the, the what you were doing, writing captions that was different that made them noticeable? They were vulnerable and they were honest. And I don't know, I think I've always been a little bit of a shit starter. So I like saying things people are a little bit afraid to say, like, I don't want to be provocative for the sake of being provocative. But I really, I've said for a long time, like, I can handle pain, but I can't stand discomfort being uncomfortable is like so much worse than pain. Pain has a purpose to me. But when you're in a room full of people and there's like the elephant in the room 
somebody has to break the spell or somebody has to point it out. And I've always enjoyed being that person. My mother was that person. She was this little like five foot one Southeast Texas, like blonde lady. And some of the stuff that would come out of her mouth, you could just kind of see everybody. Oh my God. Like, like somebody said it and it was her. And so just having that modeled to me feels like that's part of my purpose. And so when I was posting photos of the makeup artistry that I was doing, I was talking about things like, you know, a couple of years ago, I was in an abusive relationship with a photographer that I was in business with. And when I left him, I left with nothing. And now here I am, I have my own business. Or, you know, I thought that the things that I experienced were just experienced by me. And then I sit down and I have these conversations with women and I realize this is a really normalized kind of socially sanctioned thing that we just accept. And I don't think we should accept it. I think it's crap and I think we can do better. And I think once we pay attention to it, we can shine a light on it and then we can start to dismantle it. And so I think those were the things that she noticed because she's, you know, a feminist business consultant that runs this, this, you know, feminist marketing group and makeup artists are taught to, you know, it's, it's your special day and I'm going to make you beautiful. And those things aren't bad, but I stood out because I was talking about the impact of what I was doing versus the technical aspects of what I was doing. Can you, before we move on from that, can you, or do you mind sharing some of the frustrations you had with that industry before you left that industry? Yeah, I think that, God, where do I start? We could do a whole episode on that. (laughs) Let's just do a couple and then we'll come back to copy. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, the things that really frustrated me about the industry, maybe we're not even about the industry itself. I mean, certainly I have enough beef with, you know, the beauty industry and how it upholds patriarchy and that kind of stuff. And I can really nerd out about um, the beauty industry, like the, the history of it post industrial revolution, how it was like, be pretty, or you're never going to find a husband or be pretty, or your husband's going to replace you with a younger person. Like those were all things that that really were used to control women and to sell to women. Um, but what really pissed me off was how people view the beauty industry. Um, it's really a wellness industry. And I, I mean that in like the truest sense of the word, I don't mean it in the like influencer type of way, but it's, um, it's a, a way that women and marginalized people are able to access care. And they're able to keep themselves safe through a presentation that serves them as they navigate the world. And so it is a profession and it requires skill and it requires a tremendous amount of empathy. And it is really dismissed as something that's super frivolous and doesn't really matter. And that it is really shallow and meaningless. And that made me really angry, especially when I was able to forge such beautiful bonds with the clients that I had. And I was able to see how they were able to navigate the world with their head held a little higher because of the time that we spent together. So that would be my quick and dirty answer to that. (laughs) 
So after you connected with this mentor, started doing some social media um, captions for her, how did you then grow your business? Because you do a lot more than social media captions at this point. So what did you do to expand with you know new different clients, new different offers in your business? Like, I guess, what's the second chapter of the copywriting business story? Yeah, that's a good question. So a couple things happened. So number one, she was having me write these captions and having me uh, sort of map out what she was going to talk about that month and put that into words. So we went from caption writing to actually coming up with the topics and the things that she was going to talk about, the things that were important to her. And then she kind of put me on to her audience. And a lot of those folks were newer small business owners who, um, they really had this focus at the time that was like, well, I have to get on social media and I have to get a bunch of followers. Um, so I have to create all of these social media posts and I have to do it right now. There was a sense of urgency and there was this almost, I say this with the utmost respect, there was a sense of desperation of in order to get this business off the ground, I have to create a bunch of social media posts so that I can get eyes on me. And I think looking back, a lot of those people were maybe not ready. Like they had to really figure out what they were about, what mattered most to them. Um, they had to be able to explain what they do in terms people could understand because I was working with coaches who were very niched and the words that they were saying made sense to them because they were deep in that work, but I didn't understand what they were saying. And so I needed to distill that language so that somebody who had never heard of them or, or was, was not deep in that world could understand what they did and could understand why they needed it. Um, so I think that's where more of the messaging and the more, and strategy stuff started coming. And then I started being like, whoa, back up. Like you need to uh, maybe shift your focus from trying to create social media posts to you need to create really clear copy for your website or these newsletters that you're sending out that I subscribe to because you're a new client, they're really boring or they're not saying anything or you're just kind of talking about your own life and there's no call to action here. I don't know how to hire you based on these emails. I don't know what your offers are. Um, I don't know why your work would benefit me in any way. So that started happening. Another thing that started happening was as we progressed a little further into the pandemic and everybody was at home, the folks that I had made connections with through the bridal industry really took that as an opportunity to retool their businesses and to speak more about what was important to them. So I had folks that maybe I had contracted with through the bridal agency or, um, you know, photographers that I had worked with being like, you know, I, I really like the way that you write and I would like to really strengthen my messaging so that when it does come time where I can stand in a big room full of people and do an event um, or, you know, do somebody's makeup again that I can, you know, so that, so they, they, they know that there's a reason to work with me as opposed to somebody else. So it was kind of a right, right place, right time thing. If we could break that down into something actionable for someone listening, who's like, okay, you clearly had momentum things were happening for you. What, what could I take from that? It, it sounds like part of it was you were listening and 
giving people guidance outside of what they were asking you for. So you were almost diagnosing the real problem and then offering that as a solution. What else were you doing at that time? Because it sounds like it was just clicking and, and things were happening for you. I think, I don't know, I think good copywriters have really good perception. So yes, you can be a really good wordsmith and you can be a really good writer, but if you can't, you know, copywriting is really like speaking to a need or speaking to a desire. And so if somebody's coming to you because they think they want or need something and in the process, in the investigative process of figuring out how to deliver that, you discover like maybe this isn't the right fit for them. That's a big service to them for, for you to actually speak that. And that's hard. It's really scary because, you know, how do you say to somebody who's getting ready to pay you, I don't actually think this is what you need. And maybe you need something else that can have a couple of different outcomes. That person might not want to hear that. And, you know, the delivery is really important. So I think uh, beyond listening, there's a perception aspect. And then also being able to speak to that person in a way that conveys, I'm not just working with you to deliver a service. I actually care about your best interest. And I want to create something for you that is beneficial beyond the small window of time that we work together. So the deliverables that I create now are so much more valuable than they were when I was creating social media captions. Those were kind of in and out. You know, I made them, I made several of them every month, but the stuff that I create for people now can last them years. And it's because um, I really genuinely care about them succeeding and growing and thriving. Can we get specific on those deliverables? You know, what exactly are you giving to your clients that's so valuable? Um, well, the biggest thing that, that, well, the two biggest things that I do, and I know we're going to talk about this a little bit more um, in the in the coming minutes, but I really started to notice the mental health aspects of social media and how social media was negatively impacting my clients. And that was a really scary revelation for me to make because I had these uh, retainer clients who were paying me every month and I was watching them kind of spiral because they were, they were kind of being tossed in the waves of this algorithm that was always changing. Um, so quiet quitting Instagram is the offer that I created to address that where I finally went to a client and I was like, Hey, the work that we're doing together, I actually think it's hurting you. I don't think it's helping. I think it's hurting. And that was really terrifying, but it gave birth to this beautiful, exciting thing, um, that I'm really, really proud of. And the other thing is I call it mic drop messaging. And so it's, the branding guide that I create for clients. And what it is, is what I talked about earlier is let's make a brand messaging guide that speaks to what you really care about. And let's get bold with that messaging and lay it all out so that you have this guide that for maybe, you know, months or years after we work together, you can reference this and you can always center whatever you write or what is written for you um, in alignment with your values. 
I love that name, Mic Drop Messaging. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. Thank you. Yes. Okay. So we are going to talk about quiet quitting Instagram because that's where we were able to work together. Uh, but first, how did you sell your brand guides? Um, and I'm asking because we've talked to many writers who sell them. I've sold them. And it's not always easy to sell it as a deliverable. Sometimes it's easier to sell it you know, tacked on to a website or to a launch. But what's what's working for you when you talk about it with your clients? Well, when clients come to me, I think just because of where I started copywriting and where I started doing work, people really still associate me with social media. And they specifically associate me with quiet quitting Instagram. So a lot of people will come to me and they're like, I want to quiet quit Instagram. And I say, okay, well, tell me what you've done so far and tell me what's working. Tell me what's not working. Tell me what you enjoy, whatever. And what I find is that they're not actually struggling with Instagram. They're struggling with their messaging. And that's bleeding through all the way across all of the marketing aspects, all of the digital marketing aspects of their business. So it's not Instagram. I'm looking at their web copy and they're not happy with that. And I'm looking at their newsletters and they're not happy with that. And I'm looking at their written you know, evergreen offers, and they're not happy with that. So if I take that person as a quiet quitting Instagram client doing brand positioning, which is not part of the deal, brand positioning is completely separate from quiet quitting Instagram. So we need to start with your brand positioning and your brand messaging. And we need to give that a try because Instagram can be a helpful tool and your, your newsletters and your website can be helpful tools. But if the messaging is not there or the messaging is not consistent, then um, social media is going to be very, very frustrating for you. Um, so I, that's kind of where people come to me with that or they alternatively come to me and they say, I need help with social media. And um, I, again, say what's been working, what hasn't. And it's more the the timidity aspect or... They, they are prioritizing social media above the other forms of digital content that are vital to a business. And um, it's stressing them out to the point where they're focusing on what's going to get them followers or what's going to get them vanity metrics versus what's actually a reflection of their business and what's a reflection of their values and what their clients actually need. Those things need to be really consistent and social media is very inconsistent. Um, so that's uh, a fairly easy thing for me to identify when someone comes to me for that. And I'm like, yeah, we, we got to, you know, it, it, we, we've just been really indoctrinated since Instagram became this place of, of uh, marketing businesses. People really want to put it number one. And sometimes it's number three or number four or number five. And sometimes you don't even need it. But I think you always need a brand guide. You always need to know how to say what you do, why it's important, who it's for, why people need it, how you're going to do it, what the results are going to be. It's interesting you say it that way because I think a lot of people think, well, I can be consistent on social media. You know, it's not, you know, that's the one place where I can show up every single day or I'm, I'm minimizing how hard that is to do consistently, but uh, it is possible. Whereas, you know, some of these other things you're talking about that are a little bit more strategic, they're not the kinds of things that you're putting out to the world every day, but they sort of lay that foundation for all of the things 
that you do. So in addition to the brand guide, though, are there other strategic things that you help your clients do that make it easier for them, you know, when it's, you know, time for number three or number four thing on social media that they can show up in the right way or they're showing up wherever else they're supposed to be first? I have clients that I actually think are great writers. It's a confidence issue. And so they need somebody to audit their messaging and take a look at it and either say, yeah, this is great. There's nothing wrong with this or saying, hey, this language might be harmful or this might be uh, something that could cause you some problems. And that happens quite often because our language is changing so quickly um, because of social media and because of the Internet. Um, but I think, you know, speaking to people's uh, strengths and actually centering what they want to do, um, how they want to show up in their business. There's some people that are like, you know, I just want to do the work and I don't want to deal I don't want to deal with the copy stuff. I don't want to deal with the marketing stuff. I want to hand that over to somebody else. But there's some people that actually get a lot of joy in it. Um, and for those people, like you said, Rob, you know, there are people that are like, oh, yeah, like I have no problem showing up consistently. It's because their strength is being able to show up as themselves. Um, and they, they need to bring that into another aspect of their copywriting suite. So we need to take that ease and that flow from social media and we need to bring it over to their web copy or we need to bring it into, you know, some other, some other aspect. I hope that answered your question or if it didn't, it answered another question. <laughs> I think it's good enough. It answered all the questions. Uh, so let's shift to quiet quitting Instagram. And you talked a little bit about the catalyst to that uh, creation from your client's experience, but what is like, what does it mean and what is it all about? Quiet quitting Instagram is a way for a business owner to set up their Instagram account, like a homepage an about me an FAQ an offers page all in one so that they can redirect traffic from Instagram to some other place, whether that be their website or their podcast or, you know, whatever it is that they've got going on. And that was created in, you know, in 2022, um, there was this new term that was kind of arising quiet quitting. And it was just this idea that, People are going to work in places where they're told to go the extra mile and yet they're not getting the return. They're not getting the security, the uh, provision, the abundance that they need and deserve in accordance to the effort that they're putting in. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh, that's Instagram. There's so many people who are just grinding and grinding and grinding on Instagram and they're getting four followers who are passive and that is not, that's not okay. And I have frequently called Instagram the bad boyfriend because it like starts out great, starts out fun. This is such an amazing thing and you've got stars in your eyes and then pretty soon you are working harder and harder and harder for less reciprocity. And so the idea of, there were just so many people in my world that were like, God, I just hate Instagram or I hate social media. I wish I didn't have to be on it. And just kind of thinking to myself, well, I think there's 
a way to not be on it, but still be there. And um, part of this was, uh, so I went on like a solo road trip um, all the way up and down the West Coast. And I had uh, completely deactivated my Instagram. And I walked into this vegan Jewish deli and I was totally in love. And I was talking to the guy at the counter who I didn't realize at the time was the owner. And I was like, hey, uh, I love your stuff. I love what you're about. And I had casually mentioned that I did social media and copywriting. And he said, oh, um, we need somebody who does that. What's your Instagram? So he didn't ask for my website. He didn't ask for my LinkedIn. He didn't ask for my business card. He asked for my Instagram. And it was so humbling to have to tell him I don't have Instagram right now. Like I work in social media. I just pitched myself to you and I don't have Instagram. And I was like, okay, I can't do that. I can't leave Instagram, but I have to, I have to quiet quit. I have to be there without being there. And so that's how that kind of came to pass. So yeah, let's, let's get even more granular about this. So what does that actually look like? I, I mean, I feel like I quite quit Instagram because I stopped posting on Instagram a few years ago. My, you know, my, my uh, profile's still there and you'll still see photos of, you know, my trip to Europe in 2014 or whatever. Um, but you're obviously doing something a little bit better than that, which is communicating more value. So if you were looking at my Instagram, and I know you're not, so I'm, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but what would you say is my bare minimum? What do I need there so that I'm really communicating what I need to communicate? Well, what I would say, Rob, is do you need to quiet quit Instagram? Because I know a lady and I can help you. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe, yeah. He does, yes. Um, okay, well, Rob's next. Um, well, so uh, what... I usually recommend for folks is to create a minimum of nine posts. So if you go to Kira's Instagram, she has 15 and that is because I'm a maximalist. (laughs) Well, yeah. Well, because Kira, you're a maximalist and also because you have a large suite of offers and you have two podcasts and your brand and your work is um, it's, it's multifaceted, right? So you have a lot to say. And so 15 is a great number for you. My first quiet quitting Instagram grid was 15. It's now 12, but I like to say to do nine because when you go on Instagram, if you're on your phone, that actually fills up the screen. So you have your username, your bio, your link in bio, maybe you have some highlights and then you have nine posts. So nine posts is really the minimum to help somebody get to know everything about you that they would need to know to um, partner with you and hire you, which is, which is the point. So um, when quiet quitting folks work with me, we talk about, you know, who are you? What is most important to you? Why do you do this work? Um, Who do you do it for? And then tell me about your offers and then tell me about how people can find you. So if you have a newsletter, if you have a podcast, if you do regular in-person appearances at a, at a place, um, these are the things that we put into uh, the quiet quitting grid. And then anything that is not evergreen, anything that is um, 
you know, time sensitive, you can still interact. If you, if you still want to be on Instagram, but you want to be on it more passively, you can use your stories uh, to say, hey, I'm going to be at this networking event on Tuesday and you can come and see me and, you know, or I'm selling tickets for this mastermind or, you know, whatever you can, you can share those things in your stories, which actually has um, a really good rate of viewership for folks versus the grid, which, you know, on the grid, you're really fighting uh, to show up. So, I mean, at this point in the conversation, we should probably tell people, um, you know, sit down your podcast player or whatever and go look at Kira's Instagram or your Instagram, Angela, to see what you mean by quiet quitting, because we're not saying get off Instagram. Um, you're, you're, you're basically using it to create this beautiful billboard of offers, right? And so that Instagram is, is almost like a static website for you. Yeah, that's exactly what it is, Rob. Yeah, thank you for saying that. So Kira's Grid is so rad. I'm so excited about it. Uh, the graphic designer that I partner with um, to do all of the quiet coding Instagram Instagram grids, her name is Leanne Knight, and her company is called Authentic Vision Media. So she worked really closely with Kira to get the visuals just right and to really reflect Kira's personality and um, you can see that playfulness and that quirkiness and that weirdness that we all love about Kira. It's all there. And uh, your quiet quitting Instagram grid doesn't have to be interlocking, but I feel like it creates such a visual draw. And Leanne is really, really skilled at that because it's posing it as this is not a set of nine separate posts or 12 separate posts or 15 separate posts this is a body of work. This is a, a singular piece with a bunch of little puzzle pieces in it that all connect with each other. And I think that's why it resonates so well with people is maybe they don't consciously get that, but they understand, oh, I'm not going to get all the information by just looking at a corner of this picture. I want to see the whole picture. So um, Kira's looks like that. Mine looks like that. Mine's um, completely different. And you can see that mine is a reflection of um, my aesthetic and my values. And um, that, you know, Kira and I have some intersections on like our interests. And I think we're around the same age and we're into some similar stuff. But our Instagram grids look completely different. And it's because each one of them is made to, you know, the person that it's intended to set up. So uh, it would be great if everyone worked with you because you two are the best and everyone should work with you. But if they can't for whatever reason or they just want to kind of figure it out, especially the copywriters who are like, okay, I want to take a stab at the copy and then maybe I'll work on some visuals and just test this out before I invest in it. What are some like do's and don'ts when they're thinking through their nine grid or you know even the 15? Um, some things that you want to think about is um, some things you want to think about are that you want this to last. So maybe you don't want to quiet quit Instagram forever, but you do want to take a break and you don't have to know how long that break is, but you do want whatever you put on your grid to, you want to be able to look at it and say, this is true and correct information for the foreseeable future. So if there is something that, you know, my book is coming out in September, 
out in October or November or December, you're going to be able to see like this is several months old. So making sure to keep things time appropriate and understanding that your your grid and the information in it is meant to last. Um, another thing that I would avoid, which, you know, there are other people that, you know, like you mentioned, they make these grids. Um, some folks really like to keep up their old Instagram posts or they like to keep up their old content. And what I've learned through working with clients and experiencing this for myself is that being able to archive all of that stuff and just start with a clean slate can be really freeing because that's a big hook with Instagram is if I'm not a part of this, I'm missing out on something or um, I'm going to lose something really precious to me. So being able to clear all of that clutter out, being able to say like the past is the past and this is what I want to put out, I think is not just really sleek design wise and messaging wise, it's also really freeing for the folks that do it. Like it, it sounds really woo woo and maybe a little crunchy, but when I work with people and I say, okay, I'm going to archive all of your previous Instagram posts, there's this like feeling of tension or fear. Like it's almost not even excitement. It's like, oh my God, like this is happening. And then when they see like, this is totally clear, all of that stuff that you obsessed about, all of this stuff that you tried to make completely perfect, it's all tucked away. It's not gone forever. So if you need something, you can go get it in your archived stuff, but it's all gone and you have this clean slate. And if you had a clean slate and you could start over, what would you say? And we post that grid and they just feel like really liberated because they're like, this is all I want to say. Yeah, I feel like we cleaned and organized my house like a hundred times. It felt, it felt very freeing. Um, I would like to talk about kind of how you put it together because, you know, copywriters love packages and we know that makes a huge difference. And that was a huge draw for me when I heard about quiet quitting Instagram. And I was like, this is amazing. Tell me more. Who's doing this? And then we jumped on a call. So, I understand the initial idea and the concept and the messaging, but once you were like, I'm putting this together, how did you think through the different pro the elements, you know, having four kind of consulting sessions together, adding a partner to cover the design, how you think about all those elements to make it a really successful package? Copywriters work with different groups of people. They work with different clients. They have different styles. So I think if someone wanted to put together a package like this, is that what you're asking? If someone wanted to create a package that was similar, what would they do? Uh, not necessarily similar, just a package, right? Just like, here's an example of a, a package that you created. I want to create a different package, but how should I think about bundling it together? So it's not just, here's a deliverable. It's like, yours feels like a true package that it's a conversation starter, right? It's something that I talk about frequently. And then that person tells somebody else and the word spreads. Um, so how did you construct it? And did it take many iterations to really nail it? What did that look like? Well, we're actually in the process of creating new iterations of it because there are people who um, want to do it, but they want to be more um, actively involved in the process or they want to be less involved in the process um, or they want to do it quicker. Um, the way that you and I did it um, with 
Leanne was very, very immersive. But the way that I put it together was, you know, because I'm a copywriter and because I'm a strategist, the messaging is really, really important to me. So the first thing that we did when we worked together is we worked on getting that messaging really, really clear. Um, so that was the first part. The second part was um, really taking a look at where we're working, right? So for me, I'm working on Instagram. Maybe for somebody else, it's working on somebody's website or it's working on their catalog or a manual or you know whatever it is. Taking a look at it um, kind of from a bird's eye view and and figuring out, okay, this looks great. This looks not so great. So it's a lot of editing of what exists already, removing what doesn't work, taking what does work and streamlining that so that it's really easy to consume and so that it's fun and exciting and inspiring because that's really what drives people to connect with us um, as business owners is like, you know, it really gets, it really gets the client excited and it, it inspires them to think of different ways of being. Um, the third part is organizing. So figuring out, you know, what is the journey? You know, we go from finding out about this person, this business owner, or about this company and learning what their values are and getting a little bit more interested, like, oh, wow, they're doing things a little bit more, you know, they're doing things a little differently or they're a little bit radical or they're a little bit weird. And then identifying with who that person is, who their ideal client is. That's not my favorite term in the whole world, but um, figuring out who they're actually talking to and speaking directly to them. And then talking about the ways that they're going to improve that person's life or solve that person's problem or bring them together to kind of push the culture or the climate towards something positive. Um, and then, you know, the last part of it is really the implementation of saying like, here is the thing. And, you know, even when I like, you know, when I get a new website or, when I get something new for my business, it feels like Hanukkah. It feels like Christmas. You know, you're opening that present and you're so excited. And, um, you know, the last part of quiet quitting Instagram is like, okay, here it is. And like, we're going to do it. And it's just like such an exciting, like breakthrough experience. So I think in terms of building, uh, packages for people, you know, like, like focusing on the practical, and, and looking at what exists that already works, clearing out what doesn't, figuring out how to optimize it, and then actually delivering it is the way that I try to look at how I package things. Okay, so I have a couple of questions. Um, maybe they're practical questions about this. So let's say that I, I want to switch over. I want to do this for you know this <clears throat> 12 square grid or 15 square grid, whatever it ends up looking like. What does that do for my engagement over time? I, you know, I imagine when it first goes up the first week or two, as I share it out, a lot of people are going to respond and say, oh, this looks really cool. Um, but, you know, if I'm trying to use this as a, a, a client acquisition tool or, you know, a landing page, will I see the engagement go down? What have you seen in your experience as you've uh, helped people switch? Yeah. Well, the short answer is that it's different for everybody. Um, the longer answer is yes when you all of a sudden start posting 
these images in the grid and they show up in people's feed and they can tell that it's a partial image, but it's not a whole thing, their eyebrows really raise and they go, oh my God, what is that? What is this person doing? Lots of and engagement. They, yeah, days. You, will get a, you will get a ton of engagement. So if you have had very little engagement and that's why you're quiet quitting, because you're like, oh my God, I am working my ass off to create compelling, useful content for people and nobody seems to care, then you post this weird thing. Yeah, your engagement's gonna go way up. And once people actually have a clear picture of what you do, who you do it for and where to find you elsewhere, then uh, your engagement may stay increased from what it was before you quiet quit. But I think what's more important to take a look at is um, conversion versus your vanity metrics or your engagement on Instagram, because you can have a ton of engagement and your business can be tanking. Um, there are lots and lots and lots of people on Instagram who provide value to their audience and that audience has zero motivation to go further. That, that business owner is kind of this endless well of tips and tricks and advice and inspiration, and it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, there are certain people that I think maybe uh, are not suited for quiet quitting Instagram. For example, if you're an influencer and you need to post several times a week or several times a day. Rob, that's you. It's, <laughs> it's, definitely, it's definitely not me, but like, for instance, the copywriter club, you know, we have a page where we do share our podcast every week, right? And so, um, you know, maybe maybe that's not the right place to do that, and it should be, you know, a a more uh, thought out message piece, or maybe that is the place where we share that. I, you know, I think that's probably a strategic decision. But yeah, I, I mean, al along with that question, though, is um, okay. So let's I do this. Should I? do an update every three months, you know, where I change out the colors and the seasons or, uh, you know, maybe my offer changes, you know, what is, what is the posting frequency or should I leave it up for two years? Like, uh, what does that look like from a strategic standpoint? It really depends. Um, the reason that I recently posted a new quiet quitting Instagram grid is because my offers changed. So when your offers change, your offer suite is retooled. Um, I think that's a good time to uh, redo the grid. Um, also, you know, I just started a new newsletter uh, and I want people to know about that. I really want to nurture uh, relationships through my newsletter instead of on Instagram. So that was really important to me. And I felt like, you know, yes, I can do that in stories, but I don't think it's going to be um, as effective on its own. Um, what I, you know, I, I have an audience of people who are pretty engaged with me and have been with me a while and know what I do. What I want is I want someone who's never heard of me to find my Instagram grid and go, oh, Angela has a newsletter. I want to be subscribed to that newsletter um, because that's a more direct relationship that we can that we can foster. Um, so I wouldn't say that there's a hard and fast rule. For anybody, I wouldn't say, oh, you need one every three months or you need one every six months. But what I would say is once you start to look at your business and think to yourself, you know, the changes that I want to make in my business are going to make this grid outdated. 
uh, that's the time to think about it. Another thing is, you know, if you're still on Instagram actively, if you're still there to like, you know, hang out with friends, see industry trends, get the news, share memes, if you're still showing up in stories to promote your offers and you start getting bored, you're like, oh, you know, I think this could be cuter or, you know, it's, it's summertime. I'd like something a little bit brighter and more cheerful as opposed to, you know, the one that I made in the dead of winter is kind of uh, dark and dreary and, you know, not with the seasons. That's totally up to you. It's whatever makes you feel good. Um, and whatever you think is going to benefit your business, I would just be conscious about, you know, is the information in your fire quitting Instagram uh, relevant and current to either how your business is now or how you're planning on it being very soon. Okay. And then my last like practical question about this is the purpose is really to, you know, engage less in some ways, but if I do this, I might feel like now I need to post a regular, you know, story or a reel, right? Because, um, you know, that I'm not going to be appearing in people's feeds new. They're going to have to stumble across me in some other way. Um, so do you have some advice about that or are you just like, Hey, just do your thing. Don't worry about it. See what happens. Um, well, the purpose of, by quitting Instagram, I mean, there's a million purposes, but one of the purposes is to really speak into the fear that people have that if they leave social media, it's going to tank their business and that, you know, they've always got to be showing up. So again, when we look at crappy relationships, it's, I can't leave because I'm going to lose the benefits of this, but the benefits are becoming less and less. So if we set up the grid we're really relieving that person of feeling like they have to post grid content. Maybe they like posting reels. Maybe they like making those. There's lots of like theatrical, funny, well-spoken people that they like showing up on camera and talking. If that's the case, post a reel as much as you want. But if you feel like, oh, the grid's taken care of and now I'm obsessing over reels, then that's something that's worth evaluating. Um, you know, stories is the same. If you feel like you're, you know, still doom scrolling and you're still, you know, oversharing or you're posting con content that isn't relevant or whatever on your stories, then uninstall Instagram. You can uninstall the app. I'm just thinking about, you know, people who do use Instagram to engage, you know, as opposed to stepping all the way back, does it create a need for creating a different kind of content in order to show up new in people's feeds? Or do you just have to be okay with that? I mean, I, and I, I'm sort of, I'm sort of saying, I'm sort of thinking it's, it's the second. It's like, I want to be off Instagram. I'm just going to be okay with not being there at all and seeing what yeah. happens. Okay. So I didn't completely divert from what you said. Yeah. No, no, um, you didn't at all. Yeah. I mean, I think you have to be okay with it. And it, it's social media addiction is real. And the anxiety that we feel about, you know, what is going to potentially kill our business. Those things are really real. Those are really valid fears. We have to look at the, the practical. So if we are just grinding and grinding and depleting ourselves to try to promote a business and it's not giving us a return, then we have to take a deeper look. Like, is it the fact that I'm no longer posting on Instagram 
that's causing this? Or is this an ongoing problem and I can trace it back to my web copy or to my messaging or to the fact that I don't talk to human beings about my business or I'm really inconsistent with how I show up in my work. Those are other issues that um, a, copy might, a copywriter might be able to address or you might need somebody like a business consultant or a business coach or a business strategist, somebody that can dig a little deeper into your business beyond social media. Um, but, um, you know, the great thing about quiet quitting Instagram is that you have a choice. So if there are parts of Instagram that you really enjoy, you can continue to do them. Um, and if you don't like any of it, you don't have to do it. Um, of what I would say is that if you decide to completely disengage from Instagram, make sure that the places that Instagram is leading people are extremely clear and consistent. So if all of your posts are saying, click the link in bio to go to my website, that website copy should be really, really crystal clear. It should say exactly what you want to say. It should let that viewer know everything that they need to know to work with you. And so if somebody is shifting their worry from their grid to their story or from their grid to reels, I would say, you know, maybe it's more important for you to take a look at your web copy, or maybe it's more important for you to look at your newsletter content, or maybe it's important for you to look at your offers and make them more compelling. Um, so then you can focus on that instead of focus on constantly getting in front of people's faces because it really is, it's a, it's a quality over quantity thing. Like if you are able to communicate the quality of what you do, people will spread the word for you. Instagram can't be, Instagram is not going to replicate that. People replicate that. All right. I have a couple thoughts and then a question, final question from me. I mean, just some thoughts on, on what you just shared. I think I view mine at least for now as I actually do show up in a lot of places. Like we have the two podcasts, so we have emails going out. So I feel like the visibility has never been the problem, but just directing people the right way and um, and combining everything that I'm doing in, in one place has been the hardest, the biggest challenge. And so that's where I see this working for me is if I go on podcasts and speak on other podcasts, I can send everyone to my Instagram now and feel really good about it because I know it's the right funnel and they get the right messaging. It's up to date. It's clear. They're going to know if I can help them or not. And I didn't feel that way before, even though I was updating it regularly. It was like, I would never send people there because it's a hot mess. And so I think if people are showing up in another platform, it, it works really well. If you're not showing up anywhere else and that's, it's tricky. I do want to comment that working with you was wonderful in many ways, but it was also really easy. Like you made it very easy for me. And I know our timeline changed because I was taking longer to provide feedback. And I was like the bad client in some ways, just kind of pulling the project out and lengthening the timeline. But I always felt like it was really easy. And I wonder if you have a, like a final tip on how, how you approach that. So it feels good for your client at all times during the project. So it's not just amazing results and it's not just fun, but it's actually easy to be a part of that project? You know, it's really oversimplified probably, but just being really supportive and encouraging your client to be extremely open. You know, creating good copy when working with clients is about fostering trust 
sometimes we do have to dig deeper and we have to figure out the thing that the client is not saying, or we have to create an environment where they're able to either come to some sort of eureka moment or revelation, or it sort of comes out of them as we're asking those exploratory questions. So I think showing up as a supporter and encouraging people to open up and to trust you and to get vulnerable and get real and to show um, the deeper emotions beyond the performance of their business. That's such a huge barrier when it comes to working with copywriting clients is a lot of the reason that I think clients come to me and feel stuck is because they're trying to figure out what someone else wants to hear. And what I do is I redirect, what do you want to say? So their energy is going out and they're trying to read people's minds and they're trying to figure out what people want from them. And it's really scary, but I think directing the energy back inward and saying, okay, what do you want? What do you really want to say? What's really important to you? Because um, that's something you don't have to um, perform. It's not a, an act that you have to keep up. Because a moment, the moment there's a crack in that facade, everything's going to fall apart. But if you're leading with authenticity and if you are motivated and driven by, you know, what, what causes you to do the work that you do, it's never going to be inauthentic. I can sit for an hour and talk to a client and ask them questions where like they get really fired up talking about their business, like they're talking to their best friend. And we can create three months of content or we can create like the most beautiful sales page. Um, but if they're talking to me like they're trying to sell me, I can't get there and they can't get there. Um, so, yeah, that would be my answer is is to just really foster trust and to position yourself as a supportive person who genuinely cares about the success of your client's business. Yeah, I love that. I really like what you've done, you know, again, with your Instagram, with Kira's Instagram. It's really cool idea i think a lot of copywriters are going to be pretty excited about uh, without feeling the need to show up all of the time and yet presenting yourself in a way that's very professional and can attract clients so angela if somebody's interested they've been listening they want to find out more about quiet quitting instagram or work with you directly or even just check you out see what the kind of work that you're doing where should they go you can find me at Angela Morris Media on Instagram, and you can uh, go to my website at Angela Morris Media. That's the end of our interview with Angela Morris. I want to expand on a couple of the things that were mentioned in this interview. I asked Angela about the similarities between makeup artistry and copywriting. And honestly, I thought she was going to say something about making things look better than they really are, or possibly talking about emphasizing the good and de-emphasizing the bad. But Angela's answer was a lot better than that. She talked about listening for what a client wants or, or needs and figuring out how to give them more of that. So often as copywriters, we're focused on selling what we have or selling uh, what our clients have and not what the customer needs. And I think the more we can shift the way we see the world and the way we see the work that we do towards listening to those needs uh, is huge. We also talked about the idea of creating marketing that stands for something, going against the idea that palatable is sellable and being maybe divisive or, or even polarizing. 
there are a lot of different names for this. I've heard people talk about this uh, as repel or repellent marketing or attraction marketing, magnetic marketing. That's a, a term that's uh, been used by Dan Kennedy and others. And that's all about attracting the people that you like or that you want to work with into your business. And at the same time, repelling others who are maybe not a fit. And some of the ways to do that are you know, being provocative or being vulnerable. As I was thinking about this, I thought of a couple of brands that I think do this really well. One is Liquid Death, and maybe you've seen them. Uh, it's almost a ridiculous branding. Uh, it's All it is is bottled water or canned water. So it's a commodity product, but Liquid Death has put uh, on the label all of these very masculine symbols and and design and made, made them stand out, right? It, again, it's a little bit ridiculous. I've seen online personalities talk about how liquid death is, is nothing but a product aimed at people who have a lot of toxic masculinity. And whether or not you believe that's true, maybe it is, that's exactly what we're talking about here. They've created a brand that attracts a certain audience, whether you you know agree with them or like them, it doesn't matter, and it repels everybody else. And in doing that, they've created almost a movement around the brand that they have. And they've got rabid fans who love it. They post the, the ridiculous cans on social media. It gets a lot of traction, attracting even more of the same and repelling those people who are not a fit for their brand. Others, you know, there are a lot of different brands that do this. You know, Hot Cheetos kind of does this. Marmite is a brand that definitely is, they play off of how many people hate the brand and versus love the brand. I've seen barbecue restaurants, you know, that, that post uh, social media memes or even ads that say things like, we love animals. They're delicious. Obviously, they're, they're making a statement about their approach to the world, their worldview. Uh, even, when we see, you know, copywriters or personalities, others swearing in their branding, that's another way that you attract people who are, again, want that kind of a vibe from the person that they're working with, and you push away the people who are maybe not a great fit. You can't out vanilla vanilla, so don't don't be vanilla. Be something else. I think is really the the takeaway from that. Angela also talked a little bit about how she defined a copywriter. A good copywriter has good perception. She said, uh, you know, you don't need this. You need something else instead. This is related to another idea that, you know, Eugene Schwartz first talked about, and that is channeling existing desire, speaking to a need or desire that's actually out there. And good copywriters can see that. They can see what the actual need is, or what the desire is. And rather than trying to create that, by, you know, I don't know, you know, writing something specific to, uh, to that, they actually channel existing desires. And when Angela was mentioning perception, our ability to see that, uh, the, the things that are happening in the world, I think is a big part of making marketing work. And then just last thing that I'll, I'll touch on from this interview is just this entire quiet quitting Instagram idea. I, I can't emphasize enough. Go check out Kira's Instagram or Angela's Instagram and see what we're talking about. It's uh, a beautiful billboard and sets up Instagram in a very unique, different way. Something that stands out going back to what we were talking about earlier. You know, it's doing something different that will attract the right people to you and, and possibly repel those that aren't a great fit for your brand. 
uh, Angela called it the, you know, overcoming that bad boyfriend relationship. And if quiet quitting in this way helps you, uh, it's definitely worth looking into uh, having a better relationship with Instagram and letting Instagram do more of that work in uh, attracting the right people to our businesses. Having said all of that, we want to thank Angela Morris for joining us to chat about her business and what might be a better way to use Instagram in your business. If you want to check out her Instagram grid, you can find her at Angela Morris Media on Instagram. And I want to quickly remind you that we're running the Copywriter Accelerator for the final time this year, starting in September. If you are ready to take a more strategic approach to building your business by finding your ideal clients, creating products and services that solve their problems, pricing those products so that clients want to buy from you and building your authority and credibility so the clients come to you, seek you out, visit thecopywriteraccelerator.com. Depending on when you do that, it may already be open or you can join the waitlist and we'll send you information about the program as soon as we open the doors. If your business isn't yet what you want it to be, you owe it to yourself to check this out. We'll also link to the accelerator in the show notes but you can head over to theaccelerator.com to find out more. And that's the end of this episode of the Copywriter Club podcast. The intro music was composed by copywriter and songwriter Addison Rice. The outro was composed by copywriter and songwriter David Muntner. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please visit Apple Podcasts to leave a review of the show. And be sure to check out our other podcast about artificial intelligence and how copywriters and other creatives are using it to get better at what they do. That's at AIforcreativeentrepreneurs.com as well as on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcast. Thanks for listening. We will see you next week. Copywriters coming together to help the world write better. Copy and make more money. Kira and Rob's Copywriters Club.